0: Hey, we're doing a series right now called Legacy. Last week, uh, we talked about Father Abraham and his many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham, Uh, and so it was really cool. I wonder what will be said of us when we're gone. I believe that inside all of us, the Lord um, has put inside of us a desire to make sure that we live a life that makes a difference. I pray that you can stop in moments of your life and just kind of evaluate, where am I at? What will people say of me at my funeral? Will I be remembered in five, 10 years? Will I be remembered in 30 years? Uh, And I want, it's my prayer that we all live a life that makes an impact. And so... Uh, I've had the privilege of being at many funerals and hearing um, a lot of different tones. Uh, Some are really sad because it's almost like the person is forgotten before the service even starts. Uh, Because many Americans live for the recliner. We live for the moment that we can get home and stare at a box that dictates the direction of our life. And I pray that that's not it, but we live for Christ and we live to influence people. And you can see the moments in your life where you have made a significant difference. So last week we talked about the grandfather of legacy, Abraham, and all of the reasons why that guy and the things, the promises, not that just that were made over his life, but the things and the way he responded, which is why he had a life that was uh, that filled with a legacy. Today, I want to flip the script and read an entirely different story of someone that lived a legacy in scripture. And so in order to do that, I'm going to ask all of you guys to stand with me so I can read God's word. I get really excited about this. This is a fun message for me. And um, I don't even have a plan on what I'm going to... This is a weird one. I started writing a sermon and the Lord was like, that ain't going to work. And so (laughs) I don't have any points. I don't have, like, I'm just going to chat with you today, and I think this is going to be very challenging. You'll understand why right now. Matthew chapter 26, verse 6, meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. And while he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume And she poured it over his head. The disciples were indignant. And when they saw this, they said, what a waste, they said. It could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, replied, why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. She poured this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial. And I tell you the truth that wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Father, I pray that you would help. In Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all can be seated. Woohoo. Yeah. Hey, Kai, help me out. Yeah. I love those highlighters. All right. So uh, a couple of things that I, 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 I recognize about this, Jesus is saying for some reason that this woman is going to be remembered everywhere we preach the gospel. I don't know if you're familiar with this story. There's a lot of different accounts of this story written in scripture. Some we believe are the same story. Some are very similar to that story. And so we don't know for fact if this is the same story because some of the details are a little different, which is... Which is pretty awesome. I'm gonna read another story here in a minute that's very similar to this encounter. But what Jesus is telling us, and he does not say this ever everywhere the gospel's preached, what this lady's doing is always gonna be talked about. I think that's awesome, man. Uh, And I get really excited about it because what I want you to know is that from what I can see, this lady has a legacy. Not because I don't know if she has children. I don't know if she has children's children. I don't know if, uh, I don't know any other reason why this woman is being remembered other than what she came and did before Christ. Uh, From what I can tell, she's not being remembered because of her great righteousness. From what I can tell, she's not being remembered because of all of her extravagant wisdom. Not because she's a storyteller or anything other than the way she worships. I'm telling you right now that some of the greatest people that I admire in Christ, it is because of the way that they worship the Lord that has made a lasting impact on my life. Today, I want to talk to you about a legacy of worship. I'm so thankful for what's happened uh, with the gospel in a movement, because we've had a movement over the last several decades of worship. People with extravagant worship advanced the gospel in the U.S., but I want to make sure that you know that what we did here is not worship. Now, it is a form of worship, but we can get confused with music being worship. And what is supposed to be coming out of our hearts and being sung through our mouth, and this desire and this extravagant passion for Jesus. It's a time we're creating an atmosphere where we got nothing else to do but meditate on the greatness of God. That is worship. And if we're not careful, we can, I've heard this said in so many scenarios. I thank God for a worship team. Uh, that is good. Like, don't get me wrong, please understand. Uh, uh, but we, Rachel, I love you. Deb, I love you. But I want to make sure that we know that we don't need you to worship, but we prefer you <laughs> to worship, right? Because Pastor Tim could lead us in worship today, right? Y'all believe that? It would not be as moving But I've been in countries where there is not these things. And the worship that comes out of the noise that they make is glorious. Because it's not sound. It's, it's this. And so I, I, I'm this today. I pray every time people come to the way that you feel challenged. Like if nothing else. Because what Jesus, what I see in scripture when Jesus says this lady is always going to be talked about. It's because she gave him something that no one else gave. And I don't think it was a box. But we're going to talk about that here today. I'm talking about a legacy of worship. I'm just curious. On a scale... Whenever uh, we're talking about, someone asks me if if someone's pretty or something, I always say, on a scale of one to Teresa, uh, you know, that lady's like a seven, you know, Uh, because my wife is always the hottest woman in in every room I walk in, you know. And so, uh, but I'm just curious, on a scale of one to this lady, how's your worship? Is your worship legendary? Because I don't want to be in a position in my life where I'm guilty of half-hearted worship. Let me just, before we open this box, I want to remind you, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, one of the things that God the Father is seeking is worshipers. Let me remind you what Jesus said to the woman at the well. But a time is coming, verse 23, indeed, it is here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way. For God is spirit, and so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Man, if I know that the Lord is looking for someone, you know, it's I almost think like in the military, the, he's looking for good snipers or like, you know, he's looking for people that are really good with communications or he's looking for, man, if Jesus is saying, I'm looking in for in my army people that are worshipers, Man, you can sign me up, because I ain't got to be smart for that. I don't have to be good looking for that. I don't have to be good. But I can, I can worship. I can lift my voice, and I can dance the dance, and I can make sure that extravagantly my heart loves God. What I know that the Lord loves, he loves people that extravagantly love him. And I celebrate that kind of passion in our church, it's, I believe it's what separates us. And I got to be honest, today, as I looked over our church, uh, I was disappointed. I think that there's a lot of things that we do extravagantly well. And there are times and there are seasons that we do things great. We were talking this week amongst our staff and things that we're praying for. If we're not careful, church, we can get caught in repetition without passion. Sometimes we just go through the motions, and you got to know that we're entering into a time of busyness, of chaos, and we got to make sure that we keep first things first, and I'm so glad that we're here, but let's not just be here. I want to be a worshiper. I'm going to read you the story. I want you to know this is not the only time that someone brought oil to Jesus. You know them three wise men. Something to be said about bringing something glorious to Jesus. Cool. The same story was written about in the book of Luke, chapter 7. I'm going to go there real quick and start reading some of this to you. And uh, we think it may be the same story. It may be the same woman. It may not be. But let's look at it like this. He says, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. And when a certain immoral woman from that city heard that he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. When she knelt behind him at his feet weeping, her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. Let me just time out there. So many things I want to say. We were doing a series, like a like a, a theme for our church for several weeks. We were talking about how the altars were open, and one of the things I was praying over our church was that the tears would fill this church with with a, a passion, with a perfume, with a fragrance. It was so wonderful. Yesterday, we heard a testimony of a family that had been struggling and praying for breakthrough for for like years. I exaggerate not. And they said that they were here, uh, and they believe that they got breakthrough the day they came down to the altar and their tears. I remember the tears falling from their cheek, and I remember looking down and seeing their tears on the floor. And they said that it was that day that things began to shift in their family. This lady had something shift in her life, and I love everything about it. There's so much about this that really drives me crazy. When the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. I, I think to myself, Man, this is real worship. You know why? Because no one wanted her there, yet she didn't get that message. That's worship. And the things that you do for Jesus, you have to know that there are times that no one's going to get it. You're not going to get a thank you when you're doing things for Jesus. He's going to see it. And everyone else may not get it. And it may look funny to others. And that's what I, I, I panic about the American church's style of worship. Because many times, we don't want posture like she had. But I'm telling you, it's the posture that I want to have in my life. Because this is the kind of posture that Jesus praises celebrates, but we want to be upright and and, and straight and, and, and present ourselves right before the Lord. And Jesus wasn't worried about that. The rest of the disciples were. If it was up to them, she would have waited patiently outside for them to have be done with their meeting, but no, she busted and she's got to get to Jesus. And you got to understand, although the disciples' intentions are right, they're often... Missing the mark It was the disciples that kept the little child from coming to him And jesus would say don't let don't hold the little children back from me As he held them in his arms and finished his teaching It was the disciples that was trying to keep the woman with the issue of blood back It was it was uh, there's so many scenarios where the disciples Unintentionally were trying to do the right thing but missing the mark This woman wasn't invited Can you imagine the scenario of you getting your moment with God one-on-one and everyone around you talking about how jacked up you are? And it was almost like music for her ears. It was almost like everything she needed. That was the song she was singing. Lord, I'm awful. I need you in my life. I can't live without you. I am so thankful for you. I am so thankful, I'm so thankful, I'm so thankful. And I wondered, what did? I started researching what was this little box that she bought her? And some people would said it would have been made of marble and the nard was from India and, and Nepal. and it was it was such an expensive like thing. And I, as I was studying it, I really felt the Holy Spirit say, that's not what she brought him. What she brought him was, oh God, I'm so thankful for what you've done. Yeah. It, it would have, what she was, oh man, there's so many things that's weird about this story. I, I realized that Jesus said that everywhere the gospel is going to go, this woman's going to be talked about, but she didn't say anything. Nothing she said is recorded. She said everything with her tears. She said everything with her gift. Her gift said, Lord, there is nothing that I have that I wouldn't give to you. If I had a truckload of this stuff, I'd back it up right here, right now. I don't know if you've ever been in that scenario. I remember one time I was in a mentorship program. And uh, I was somewhere, it cost like $4,000 to be in this program. And I had to pay my tuition and I was, all my money was due. And all I had was like $700 and I still owed like $3,000. And I was terrified and oh God, and I'm poor and I'm broke and I'm basically homeless. And I'm just loving God. And, God, and all I, had, I had $700 and my money was due and I took... Every dollar I had, and I gave it in an offering to Christ. I just wanted to give the Lord something. And all I had was some money, and I gave it every cent of it. And I can remember like two, three weeks, then my people calling me going, hey, your rent's due, Jack. (laughs) And uh, God's, you know, whatever, he's going to work this out. I remember... As the checks, uh, one week a check came, and then the next day another check came, and then the next day another check came in the mail. And it was like every day money started coming, and it was like $100 and $30. And like one time (laughs) this kid from another church that liked me was in his kid's church. He wrote me a check. They they put money in the envelope. I don't know. And uh, it was like $3. I was so touched by that. And over the next couple weeks, there was like enough money that paid my whole tuition. And what I love about this story is when the the woman gives this to Jesus, the disciple said, this is wasted. And I'm just thinking about in my life right now, I've done like a lot of things, like even for my kids where I may have wasted buying them something they didn't need or even want. But I can't think of a time in my life where I've ever given one thing to the Lord that I've wasted. Jesus said, store up your treasures in heaven where rust and wrath cannot destroy them and thieves can't break in and steal them. And there where your treasures are, so will your heart be. I love that everything that I've given to the Lord is eternal other thing I think of is pretty significant about this scenario of this woman giving this gift to Jesus is that um, he said it was for his burial. I wonder how, what, how she knew that. Because the disciples apparently didn't get the message, you know. How did she know? And here's what I know. I believe that whenever our heart is set on the Lord, you're going to know things you're not supposed to know about things that are in your life that other people need. If it's for his burial, she didn't know that. Not in my, maybe she did. I don't know. But in if everything I can think of, I don't think she had one clue what it was for other than it was for Jesus. And when you give a gift to someone at Walmart in the checkout line who is trying to buy gifts for their, for, for their, for their kids, it's not for them. You're giving it to Christ. You're letting Christ give it to them. Like, I just want you to know nothing you give to the Lord is ever wasted. Does that, does that make sense? It's that time of year right now where people are weeping, believing God that he'll provide from some way, shape, or form. And we have so much, but yet the enemy would have you think you have nothing. And that's just crap. Like, we're the richest people on the planet. And the moment that, oh, man. I think one of the things that she gave Jesus, as I'm thinking about her posture before the Lord is, is how thankful she was? As they're telling her, Jesus, if you knew what kind of person this was, you wouldn't let her do this? Let me just stop for a second. I think in our American culture, we forget what wrong is. We forget the, the penalty of wrong. I just have to make sure that we as believers in Jesus and the believers uh, in God's word remember that the reason why this woman was weeping was because she knew that she was a sinner, separated from God. Why doesn't our sin bother us? Why? Why, why is it that? Why don't I weep? Why? Why don't I remember that I? I hurt the Father with the choices that I've made in my life that are selfish, and had it not been for Jesus, I'd live in eternity in hell, separate from God. How can I not pour my tears out on his feet? I wonder today, what does your worship look like? And there are people that would say, well, I mean, that's all good, Pastor Tim, but I don't worship like that. I worship like this. And I just think it reminds me of my first year of marriage. There's so many things I got to learn, like being married to my wife, even to this day, where like, this is not a shot on her. It was actually a shot at me, where things, I did things for my wife thinking it was going to blow her away. You know, I did this for you, babe. And she was like, great. Um, and what I, one of the things I learned about love and relationships and people is uh, when you enter a relationship with someone, you don't love the way you want to love. You, yeah. you love the way they, they're asking you to love. Yeah. And that's a hard revelation because I did this for you. Look at how glorious it is. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not lying. So I've bought several times i brought home flowers that I didn't realize were dead when I bought them. Um, and she was like, Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> She's taking out all the dead ones, and I'm going, what are you doing, you know? Thanks. <laughs> but what if your worship doesn't move God because it doesn't move you? I, I worship like this. That's great. But the people that we read about in Scripture, because Scripture teaches us how to love God. And I pray that you're a student of how to love him because he is a student of how to love you. And so when I think about this, when Jesus is talking about how this woman's always going to be remembered because she came in and she, got, she bowed down to the ground and she began to weep, that I want to practice that. David was a man after God's own heart and he would dance and yell. Yeah, but I'm a, I'm a man, I don't do that. Well, if, if David, who was a man, let me just explain to you, he fought Brock Lesnar and won, like with a rock, okay? So like he, he is a man's man, would, would dance before the Lord. Why don't we try that? If we wanna love him with all of our heart and all of our soul and our strength, we have to learn how to do things differently than we've always done it. I pray that you know that your worship is connecting with God in a way that it's moving him. Because Jesus was in a meeting with people that were trying to love him. Remember the story of, of Martha and Mary and she caught his attention at his feet. And that was what he adored. And I just pray that we have moments where we connect with God. And if you don't get down on your knees at church to worship, do you ever? Where does your posture before the Lord ever change? I'm trying to get you to turn up the temperature of your passion for the Lord. If you're worshiping right now at a five, how do I get you to a seven? How do I get it so that you know that you know that you know that, you, that, you, that your life is going after the Lord? I heard a story, I've repeated this several times in church about a friend, he's a pastor. He went to the beach with his son and uh, he was at the beach and he really wanted to go out deep but his son couldn't swim and his son was playing, having the time of their life. They had never been at the beach before and he was standing there going, man, this really stinks. I wish I could be out there uh, submerged in the water and the Lord said, it's all about your posture. And so he realized that right there he can get down on his knees and the water would come up to his waist. And he realized that right there, he could submerge himself by getting on his tush and the water now coming up. And he realized that he could lay face first and, and the water would come up over him. And I think it's just, our, it's our posture. I want the move of God. I, you know, we, we go to, we pick new churches because God's spirit just doesn't move there. What if it's, the problem is not the spirit moving. What if it's you? You know, when, when, the, when the Israelites wanted to bring the presence of God back to Israel, they went after the ark and brought it back. Yeah. I want my worship. To, Jesus is looking for true worshipers. God, do you see me? Do you see my, I love you, God. I'm so thankful for what you've done in my life. said I was going to say certain things kind of in my head mentally. This is not a sermon. I don't have any points. (laughs) I got a chance to go um, home last week uh, to where I live in Pennsylvania. used to live years ago. And I began to realize how much he's changed me. And I cry just driving down the road because I remember... How much of a bad guy I was, and how many people I hurt, and all the things that I did. And as I was praying and saying, "God, I thank you that you changed me," it was like I hadn't been thankful for a while. And then I felt the Holy Spirit remind me that I, I'm still a bad human. I know you don't want your pastor to say that, but I just want you to know that I, I've I've hurt my wife's feelings. Said things that were downright mean. Hurt my kids' feelings. I I may have hurt some of your feelings. What I realize is that like, it's when I get and I meet with the grace of God and I realize that I don't deserve you. You are good. I'm not. There's no song for that. But I pray that you have moments when you realize just how rich you are because God is looking at you and adopting you just as you are. I'll read the rest of the story. verse 40 then Jesus answered his thought Simon he said I have something to say to you go ahead teacher Then Jesus told him a story a man loaned money to two people 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other but neither of them could repay him so he kindly forgave them both canceling their debts who do you suppose loved him more after that Simon answered I suppose the one whom he canceled a larger debt that's right Jesus said He turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, he didn't offer me water to wash the dust from his feet, but she washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. But you didn't greet me with a kiss from the time that I I first came in, but she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, and she's anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins though they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven of little shows only a little. I think of the words of our chief apostle when, when he was saying that how he was a chief among sinners. Like he, count, he, he, he can see inside of him of everything that he did that broke God's law and broke God's heart. And I, I pray over you that you don't lose sight of that sin hurts God. He is holy, and it's in our nature to be selfish, but He has done such a beautiful thing in restoring. The story doesn't really tell us what this woman did wrong or what Jesus did right. I don't know if He, like, fed her children or like helped her mother or healed her. But I get the impression that he just wanted her to know that she was loved and she didn't have to live that way anymore. And that's the impression I want to give over you today. The men at the table among them said, who is this man that goes around forgiving sins? And then Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. I want you to go in peace. Okay, uh, there is one other scripture that I wanted to read to you today. Man, it's actually two passages. I'll try to read them quickly. Some people, um, they would say, that's not the way I worship. You know, with my hands up, or I don't like to sing, or I don't like, like, I don't have to worship that way. And you're absolutely right, you don't. I love my wife, and I don't have to buy her flowers every day or take her on dates. But I do have to take her on dates. And let me make sure I do need to buy her flowers. And I do need to make sure that I am pursuing her. And as a fellow believer of Jesus, others around you should see the fruit of your pursuit of Christ. And when I do funerals for people that love God, it's easy to tell the world, that I know that this person loves Christ because we saw the fruit of their worship. What fruit of your worship? So this is what the scripture says worship looks like. And this is pure, unadulterated worship. Not styled or fashioned or sung prettier than what Tim Broton can do, but I find this In Revelations, I'm going to read two passages to you. Chapter 7, verses 9 through 12. And after this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation, tribe, and people, and language, standing in front of the throne before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes, and they held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar, Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living beings. And they fell before the throne with their faces to the ground and they worshiped God. And they sang, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength. Belong to our God forever and ever. Amen. And so I ask you, as we worship together, one day we will all worship like this. But what's marked by a believer is the sight that you already have this revelation in your heart. So if you don't do it at church, I beg you, Do it at your bedside. Do it at your dinner table. You don't need a song to do it. But the angels did sing to the Lord. Worship is an act. It comes from your heart that says, there is no one like you. It's true love. When we fall in love with a person, we think, man, you are it. No, 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 no. My wife will never compare to the glory and the faithfulness and the power and the awesomeness of God. And any time I elevate a person to that kind of glory, I'm missing what worship is. I love my bride far more than I love any of you. (laughs) <laughs> but i pray that you all see in my life what worship looks like and i want you to know what inspires me is when i look over and i see what worship looks like because i'm seeing someone else in our church worship there's no cue for this this woman didn't get a cue that said hey and that was the altar call you could come down and worship jesus she wasn't invited And she didn't care because the one she was after was the only gaze that she needed. And your worship may bother me. That's okay. As long as it gets his attention, it's good. There's so many other things I wish I could say. I pray you feel loved. I pray you know that he's washing your sins away. I pray that you know the reality of what that sin like, that it has eternal consequences without his blood. I pray that you feel loved by him, cherished by him, adored by him. I pray that you have the mental perseverance to push through crowds to get to Jesus. Deb, would you come? As we close today, I wonder, how's your worship? Maybe you're not devoted to worshiping the Lord. But I do believe it is one of the greatest purposes that you have on this planet. You were made for him. When I look at any tree or any flower or any plant or any bird, they all understand it's like they just glorify the Lord. I believe we were designed to live this way. Would you all bow your heads and close your eyes for just a second? I'm coming against your comfort zone, I know it. But I believe that the Lord is challenging you to raise the bar in your life, in your worship. Maybe you're away from the Lord and you didn't know it. But you know that you can tell today that your devotion is not for Jesus. Today, he's calling you to a higher place of praise, of celebration, of surrender. Today, God's telling you to lay down your life and worship Him as He washes away your past and calls you His own.